All right, so we got a lot to get to this week. I'm a little late, a little behind the eight ball, so jumping into it, maybe not as fully prepared as I would like to be, but still wanted to get this out, especially as we get closer to the weekend and some of the big games coming up. So I'm um, going to recap last week's picks, um, talk about maybe the biggest rivalry in high school hockey, take a look back at that game from Wednesday. I uh, was also on site for the Thanksgiving Invitational over the weekend. I got to see pretty four, four pretty high-end teams in action there, so a couple thoughts I wanted to get to on that. Plus, we'll update the top 10 rankings. Those have been updated, not just high school, but AAA rankings as well. Uh, so we'll get to that in a second. And of course, you know, we'll have our picks for the games of the week coming up, which again is kind of why I'm a little urgent or, or pressed to get this podcast out uh, on this Wednesday afternoon. So if any of that piques your interest, obviously, you know, do me a favor and subscribe here on YouTube or if you're listening and you know, follow, rate, and review on Apple and Spotify, any of that is greatly appreciated. Um, you know, I was delving into the analytics a little bit and saw as many as 80% of you watching right now are not currently subscribed. And I just can't have that, guys. So if you like the content we're putting out here at PD's Picks, support your boy and subscribe. Really appreciate it. Um, but let's talk some hockey now. We'll get into it. We'll talk some hockey. Um, over the weekend, I mentioned the Thanksgiving Invitational, Brighton, Heartland, Clarkston, Forest Hills Central, four very top-end teams. Uh, all four were in my preseason top 25 to start the year. Three of them are currently in my top 10. Uh, we'll get, like I said, get to that a little bit later. Um, so a lot of great action over the weekend uh, between those four teams and a nice structure, nice setup. Uh, you know, I heard, I think it was Rick Gadwa talking about trying to emulate the Great Lakes Invitational a little invitational a little bit with this particular event. And, um, you know, games didn't disappoint. You had two one-goal games that came down to a shootout, and then the other two games uh, were one- and two-goal games going into the third period. So a lot of really good um, high-end action there. Um, I'll touch on a little bit. Uh, I did put out a blog on pdspicks.com if you guys want to check it out, which probably goes into a little bit more depth than what I will here today on the podcast, but um, kind of broke down what I liked about each of the four teams, what kind of stood out to me during game action, certain players, uh, you know, the style in which they played. We'll, we'll get into it here in a little bit, but, um, you know, my biggest thing to me out of these four teams was just how, how... Brighton looked in mid-season form, like just buzzing. Um, chemistry was great. Guys knew where others were going to be at. There wasn't really, you know, uh, Heartland, for instance. I, I kept, I said they were zigging when they wanted to zag and pucks hopping over sticks, and it just wasn't quite clean. Brighton, on the other hand, was was very clean, very buttoned up, good puck movement, good chemistry, like I mentioned. And obviously, you know, you'd, you'd maybe almost expect that given the senior class and how long these guys have been playing together at this level. Um, but even I was blown away at how smooth and how crisp they looked at times. Cam Duffney, uh, to me, was pretty obviously the best player on the ice over the weekend. Just his ability, um, you know, the production might not have been there. I didn't dive into the numbers too much, but um, Lane Petit earned 
tournament MVP honor. So obviously he got the nod for being the best player of the tournament, but I'm just saying from what I saw, um, you know, Duffney impacted the game in a lot of different ways that might not have necessarily got on the score sheet. Uh, I think he did end up having a goal and an assist in the game that I watched, but, um, but still impacting the game in ways that maybe I didn't even necessarily expect him to be as involved in, whether it was on the four check or getting involved in the defensive zone and doing some of the little things uh, but I've wanted to see out of Duffney there. Um, so I thought he looked sharp. I mentioned Petit obviously had a great weekend uh, and earned honors there for the for the tournament. Tim Peterson, a freshman, uh, again, on pdspicks.com. I called out a couple freshmen early on this season that have stood out to me. Tim Peterson obviously being a big one there. Skating on the top line for Brighton alongside Duffney there. Uh, that's a pretty big responsibility you're, you're handing over to a 14, 15-year-old kid playing some of his first varsity action uh, and scores his first goal over the weekend. That was an exciting moment, I think, for, for all involved. Um, Charlie Birchfield, he's a guy I've talked about a bunch and, and obviously very well known. He was a Team Michigan guy last spring. I think he's a pretty important piece to this team. You know, he's, he's not on that top line with Duffney, but he's adding an element – to that middle six in the lineup there where there's some grit, there's a, a change of pace, right? Duffney and Pettit can, Petit can get up and down the ice and make plays. Birchfield is, a, is heavy. He's going to make, make it hard for you there uh, along the boards and below the goal line. He's just a nice change of pace there, I think, in the middle of their lineup uh, and brings a style of play that adds a ton of value, I think, to that lineup. Uh, in the defensive unit as a whole, this was kind of my other big takeaway with Brighton was they don't really have that stud anchor on the back end like they've had in a you know couple of years past and you know some of the guys that come to mind like Maddox McMullen last year uh, Tim Urkula a couple of years ago Sam Brennan if you want to go that far back Brighton has always kind of had that one top end guy they've they've leaned on for a lot of minutes and this unit is a lot more even I think across the board and really consistent, all capable of moving the puck, all capable of keeping things simple, which I love to see out of the back end there. So uh, that unit as a whole, I was, I was pretty happy with. Um, let's see here. Where do I want to go next? I'll go with Clarkston next. Clarkston, um, you know, I ranked these four teams on Twitter. I don't know if anybody saw that. Um, got a question just about feedback and, and what I thought. And I rank these teams, Brighton, Heartland, Clarkston, Forest Hill Central, one, two, three, four. Clarkston and Heartland, I wish I'd have gotten to see them go head-to-head because it would have been a pretty unique matchup, I think, and, and maybe gotten some resolution to who the better team was between those two. Uh, so purely speculation, I did put Heartland ahead of Clarkston, uh, and I'll get into some of those reasons here. Um, you know, I thought Heartland's depth was a little more talented, skilled, a little more high-end maybe than what Clarkston has, um, which is kind of why I gave Heartland the nod. Heartland, as I mentioned, was kind of sloppy at times. It wasn't buttoned up. It wasn't real crisp, clean. Even on the power play, for instance, where you have some extra time and space, guys still kind of fumbling over pucks, um, you know, zigging when they want to zag, and just kind of off rhythm a little bit. I think a lot of that comes with it being early in the season a pretty young team. I think a lot of those wrinkles will get ironed out over time. So I'm not necessarily worried about that from, from Heartland standpoint. What I liked was that even in the midst of all those kind of little errors, bounces, not really going your way, 
Heartland's talent and depth, as I mentioned, was able to really make up for some of those deficiencies or some of those errors. Um, you know, they get a big win there over Forest Hill Central. Started out, they were down one nothing uh, at the end of one, I believe, and then end up scoring five unanswered and, and pull away there from the Rangers. So that was a pretty cemented win, a pretty clear-cut win there. Uh, then you come back, you take on Brighton, your big rival, in a big spot Saturday night. That place was packed, a lot on the line, intense rivalry. Um, and Heartland down to nothing, trailed again later in the game, tied it up, forced that overtime shootout. Uh, so as, as, like I said, as much as they struggled or might've been off at times to still be in that game with Brighton, who's high end, who looked as smooth and looked as clean as they did, uh, I think says a lot about Heartland's just overall talent and skill level. You know, Ian Castamo to me, uh, was a stud, looked like the real deal. LJ Sabala, I thought had a real nice weekend too. Um, I think he had a goal. He produced and, and did well for, for the Eagles there. I also like their goaltenders a lot. Brady Hubenschmidt was in net the night I watched him. Um, he's a big kid, athletic, moves really well, just battles and competes. Uh, and I know they've got options there on the back end too. They've got a couple goalies, I think, capable of playing at the varsity level. So, um, so options there for Heartland. And, and like I said, just uh, a real guy. I got to sneeze. Uh, Real clean, like a, it, as ugly as it was at times, they were still able to kind of overcome that battle through, uh, compete in both of those games, and, and almost uh, beat Brighton there in a in a coin flip shootout. So um, I'll shift here, circle back to Clarkston. Actually, you know, Clarkston initially was a team I had pretty high in that top ten, and they're still in the top ten. Don't get me wrong. Um, but like I said, I, I do have Heartland ahead of them for a couple of the reasons I just mentioned. Um, Clarkston's top line, on the other hand, could be the best line in the state um, and good enough to skate with anybody um, Anybody they'll see all season. Wade and Croston, obviously we've talked about them ad nauseum, and, and plenty of people around the state are already well aware of what those guys are capable of. But... When I when I saw the saw the lineup, saw the guys coming out the door and everything, Wade and Croston were both on opposite wings, and I was like, "Well, who the hell is playing in the middle?" And I, I got my first look, a real good look at Kyle Lynch, uh, first year junior forward there for the Wolves, um, who is the real freaking deal. Um, he's another guy I wrote about on the blog on PDSpicks.com. He's every bit as good can skate with, handle, make plays with and without Wade and Croston, right? He's a good give-and-go guy. He's able to find Croston or Wade in those scoring areas, but he's also able to get to those scoring areas and create his own opportunities, uh, even aside from playing with those guys. So Lynch is a guy who could very sneaky be one of those top players in that junior class in the state of Michigan. Um, I might be – might be a little bold there, being that he's only played three or four games here in, in high school hockey, but I really liked what I saw out of him. Showed a ton of talent, puck skills, good footwork, which you always love to see and, and jumps out at you uh, when you're watching kids at this level. So he looked really strong, liked what I saw out of him a lot. I think that makes that line, pushes that line over the top. They already have two kids that are arguably two of the top 10, top 20 in the state. Now you add Lynch to that mix. 
And I think that top line gets very, very scary. Um, another line I actually liked for them, not nearly as sexy, not nearly as, you know, skilled or fancy plays or the toe drags or the tic-tac-toes. Um, but I really like their, their uh, Eric Wade, Frank Stanek, Gavin Anderson. That trio, uh, to me, was a really hardworking line. You know, they're the kind of your hard hat line, right? Right. Like I said, not, not the sexy, but the, the necessary where they're going to go out, uh, forecheck the piss out of your defensemen, make you work for it, make you earn it, finish their checks. Um, that was a sneaky good line for them, I thought, uh, and ended up producing. I want to say, I think Wade and Anderson both had goals over the weekend. I could be mistaken on that, but nonetheless, I thought that gave them a great line there in the, in the middle of their lineup capable of kind of grinding and, and wearing down the opponent. So uh, Heartland, I already mentioned them. Forest Hill Central, biggest takeaway, they're, they're just young. They're just young. And I think weekends like this do a lot for that development process. You know, the, a 5-1 loss, a 3 nothing loss, if you're just looking at the box score, uh, probably pretty underwhelming. But for the guys in that locker room, for them to compete and battle – block shots, play at that pace, you know, create a scoring opportunity, even if you don't finish, like those are little, little victories that I think add up over time. And if you're building a program and you've got, you know, a junior like Grendel, a sophomore like Milak, uh, a freshman like Mike Timmer, he was another one I mentioned there on the blog. Um, they've got some young guys, uh, Kipke on the back, Eli Ripke, Ripke on the back end. He's a junior. Uh, Pierzynski, he's a junior. Like there's a lot of underclassmen on this roster that are playing an impactful role for that team. So for them to get this experience against the cream of the crop in high school hockey is a great learning experience. They took their licks. There were a, plenty of learning moments. Um, you know, I thought Gibson Grendel, for instance, you know, t- late in the game, you know, it's a one goal, two goal game. I think he might've been feeling the pressure a little bit. I got to make a play. I got to do something. You kind of start gripping the stick a little too tight, maybe forcing some plays you wouldn't normally do. Uh, and, and so that seemed a little evident to me. Again, a learning experience. Uh, Milak took a, took a penalty late. Uh, you know, one bad penalty turned into two bad penalties. Some of that stuff, the, the mental stuff will kind of snowball on you. I think that's another learning experience. Uh, you know, I think Coach Bill McSween will do a nice job working with those guys. Uh, and again, it, it, I've been there. I know what that learning experience is like. There's frustrating moments. There's growing and, and teaching moments. Uh, you know, Nemers and Net, he, he took a penalty in goal because there was a scrum in front of him. And, you know, some of those things you probably don't need to. But again, it's that learning experience and learning how to kind of let things go in the moment. And so, again, it, it's an opportunity for, I think, that Rangers program to learn from those mistakes, move forward, be a better team um, coming out of that and ultimately could pay off a ton of dividends down the road, whether it's in conference play, regionals, states and beyond, right? Like uh, that's a really good learning experience for that young group to go go up against, whether it pays off next week or whether it pays off next year even. So um, kind of a long play there, I think, for the Rangers, but ultimately very beneficial. So uh, I'll shift gears here. We'll get into recapping last week's picks. Uh, it's been fun. So uh, 
I'm trying to find and identify some of the tougher games on the schedule to pick, right? I don't want to, I'm not going to go into a cupcake one and, and pick a team that's going to ultimately get mercied, right? I want some close ones. I want some difficult calls to make. Uh, and ultimately that's panning out. Uh, I went four and four last week in the picks. You, the people went four and four as well. Uh, so we're picking good games. We're getting good matchups and the results are showing. So I did want to, you know, one of those games was CC versus Rice. And I did want to share some thoughts kind of on that particular rivalry. Uh, Watching that broadcast on YouTube, the broadcast by Prep, I believe was the company. um, That place was packed to the gills. Three and four rows deep along the glass. (laughs) Pretty wild environment. Had to have been a blast to play, play in front of, regardless of what team you were on there. Um, just a high stress, high pressure situation that I'm sure for the, for the kids was a fun one, but you know, I mentioned that broadcast grade a watching it back on YouTube, uh, was, was like watching something off of Bally sports or something. It was, it was really cool to see. Um, and it's, it's the biggest rivalry in high school hockey, but it's been incredibly one-sided as of late. I mean, everything with CC has, has been pretty one-sided, but, um, you know, CC has won eight of the last 10 matchups there and watching that game from Wednesday night, CC kind of bullied Rice a little bit last week. Um, you know, the first couple goals were just outworking people in front of the net, uh, out muscling guys. And you know, albeit Kale Rogowski was responsible for some of that. And, you know, he's a towering figure there, right? Listed at six foot four and 200 plus pounds. Uh, he'd be hard for anybody to handle. So um, so that's maybe a bit of an outlier. But I think there was even moments where, uh, you know, Andrew Atala just battled with Rice defensemen down below the goal line and just outworked him at times um, and was able to shake defenders and, and lose them and, and really win battles down low. Uh, Stefan Fonda tracked down a, a warrior on a puck retrieval caught up to him and just kind of edged him out and came away with the puck pretty clean and generated a scoring opportunity. I just, I don't want to draw too many conclusions, you know, about rice from just this particular game, you know, because CC kind of has a way of humbling many of its opponents. Right. I don't think, um, you know, I don't want to draw too many conclusions, but I, I just kind of expected rice to maybe show a little bit better than, than what I saw on Wednesday. So it's early. You know, there's so much hockey left to play too. Um, I think Rice will come back in that rematch uh, with something to prove, obviously. Uh, so there's no doubt in my mind Rice is better than what they showed on Wednesday and will be better uh, as the season wears on as well. So um, like I said, I was just hoping for a little bit more, but ultimately I, I know there's more there too. That might not have been uh, you know, a couple plays I think guys are going to want back when they look back at that game in hindsight, or maybe that's even a game you just kind of throw it in the trash and forget and, and move forward. So um, as far as CC goes, you know, I've talked about Jackson Walsh yeah. all off season leading up, leading up to November. Uh, a guy I had in my top five, uh, he, he's a special one uh, on a team that is full of talented players across the board. He is very noticeably, you know, the best of the bunch, stands out from the rest. Uh, Stefan Fonda, you know, I mentioned him. He had a big night. I liked his game a lot. You know, I mentioned his effort on the forecheck earlier. 
he almost made it look easy at times uh, with his uh, ability there on the forecheck and getting into guys and coming away with pucks. CC is interesting this year in particular. I mean, they go four lines deep. They go three D pairs on the back end. I might get myself into a little trouble here, but um, I'm getting less and less impressed by the individual players and more and more impressed by the collective as a team. And what I mean by that is like, yes, Walsh is a special player. Yes, there are two to three other high-end standouts uh, on that team. But a lot of these guys, if you isolated them, if you plucked them out and put them on another team, they're good. They're top, you know, they're a top six kid on just about any program in the state. But I wouldn't necessarily say they dominate as an individual. Um, I don't know that, and what I mean, but like, I don't know that CC is miles and miles ahead in terms of sheer talent. They just have a crazy amount of depth, you know, and that depth buys in. That depth is very structured and committed uh, to the cause from a coaching perspective. And I think that's a credit to coach Cal and that coaching staff Um, where other programs have like six, seven, eight, maybe nine functional forwards that, that they feel comfortable with up front. CC has got 12 or 13 where other programs have three or four defensemen that they're really comfortable with on the back end. CC has got six or seven. So I don't think CC has, six or seven guys that are better than any team's number one guy. But I do think they have 10 to 12 guys that are as good or better than any team's number six guy off the roster, as an example. I don't know if that completely makes sense, but like what I'm trying to say is like most top end teams in the state have a good top line. The higher up the rankings you go, they're, you know, they have a solid second line. And if you're fortunate enough, you know, I think like a team like Brighton, you've got a really reliable third line, for instance. CC has four of those lines where most programs only have, you know, one. Some programs have two. And like I said, for a handful that may have, may have three. So, um, so I'll kind of wrap it up with that. I'll, I'll leave it at that as far as CC and Rice goes. There was a there was a lot going on last week, even aside from just that one rivalry. A couple other rivalry rivalries I wanted uh, to mention as well. Ann Arbor Pioneer with a big upset last week. Uh, I took Celine in that game. Eighty four percent of you took Celine as well, but it was the Pioneers coming away with a two to one win on Rivalry Wednesday. Hats off to them. Uh, definitely thought they'd compete well with the Hornets, uh, but that's a big W for them. So uh, Orchard Lake St Mary's pulled off. I'd say a big upset over Brighton too. I didn't necessarily expect that. I I took Brighton. 75% of you took Brighton. Uh, I believe Orchard Lake was up three, nothing at one point in that game uh, before Brighton, you know, kind of clawed their way back into it a little bit and and made it a close one there at three to two. Uh, Oh, I got to mention this too. A bit of a shout out here for Kalamazoo United. Uh, They played the Kalamazoo Eagles on excuse me, on Thanksgiving Eve last week. I almost included that game in the matchups for the games of the week. I just, you know, two Kalamazoo programs, two Kalamazoo co-ops, so it's involving a lot of the schools in that community. They were going head-to-head. 
ultimately decided to go against it because I thought, no way. Like, I don't even expect this game to be close. I'm not going to bother. Jesse Ruelas scored the game-winning goal in overtime to give KU the 2-1 to win over the Eagles. Get this. It's KU's first league win in over two years, people. So big upset there uh, and comes at the expense uh, of a pretty big rival, I'd assume, there in a pretty intense game uh, that, again, I had kind of completely written off and they pull off uh, the big win there. Uh, the Eagles have been a strong program in the SCHL now for a number of years, went to a Division One state quarterfinals as recently as 2020. So for KU to pull off that upset, you know, I've been a part of some of those wins as a player and as a coach. Uh, and those can really be momentum swinging, program building types of wins where, you know, you're going up against a team who's who's just beating you down over the last couple of years. And then finally you pick up the right player or players and you get the right combination and you get the right attitude in the locker room and you go out and you pull off a big upset. It can really snowball into a ton of momentum there. So would love to see this kind of be a launching point for them moving forward there on the West side. So, uh, okay, let's update the top 10 rankings here. Let's get into this a little bit. Um, and as I take a brief break there, uh, so same faces, just some new places. And maybe that's a little, uh, a little bit of a letdown to some of you who like seeing volatility in the rankings, but I think we can, there's no reason to really upset the apple cart too much yet. I don't think based on what we've seen, small sample size, right? Like few teams have four games in the bag, let alone five, six, eight, right? Like we just don't have enough data. I think enough information, enough head to head matchups to draw too many conclusions to really start, you know, bringing in new faces, dropping people out of the top 10. So uh, no fancy graphics today either. A little rushed, a little rushed into the episode here. So uh, really was more worried about timing and getting it out to you people than having a nice cleaned up presentation for everybody. So if you've grown accustomed to watching this on YouTube and seeing the graphics and, and all that stuff, fret not. I will bring it back in the future. Don't worry. If you're listening on Apple and Spotify, then I guess you're not really missing out on too much. Um, so we will get into the rankings. I'll run down that. I'll run through them here. Hopefully, it's not too hard to to follow without a visual. But uh, at number ten, I dropped Grand Rapids Catholic Central down one spot here. They were at nine last week. I got them at ten. They're four zero and zero to start the season. So it's not really about what they've done. It's more about what other people have done and shown against maybe a little bit tougher competition thus far. Uh, so I got Grand Rapids Catholic Central here at 10. Number nine, I got Brother Rice. They're down four spots. That's a pretty big drop-off, I know, but maybe that's a little recency bias with, with what I saw last Wednesday. Just didn't love the way they looked against CC, and I realize you know, that was going against the best team in the state, but um, I feel like Rice got, Rice got pushed around a little bit. Would love to see them respond with a couple big performances here uh, down the stretch. You know, the Catholic League playoffs are coming up here. Uh, maybe they respond in a big way and, and get right pretty quick, but um, would like to see more on them too. So, again, small sample size, but just didn't – that game last week didn't sit super well with me, and I'm sure it didn't sit well with the Warriors either. But, anyways, Brother Rice, number nine here at 2-1-0 on the season. 
Orchard Lake St. Mary's, I've got up two spots. Probably could have jumped up even further uh, if you really wanted to put a ton of stake in that uh, Brighton win last Wednesday. They're 3-0-0 to start the season. Uh, they're a team, you know, I really liked coming into the season already, but then with the impressive win over Brighton, uh, could really be a sign of even bigger things to come. You know, not to mention my guy, Will Keane. Uh, has a 93.8 save percentage and given up just four goals in those three games. Uh, their leading scorer right now is a freshman, Thaddeus Rainish. And, you know, I was talking about freshmen all week, and, and there's another one making a big impact that uh, maybe didn't really expect yet for the Eaglets. So that'll be a fun one to, uh, to watch as the season unfolds. Uh, number seven, I got U of D dropping down one spot. Uh, nothing major. They were idle last week. Didn't play. They got a big matchup coming up, which I'm going to get into in a little bit. Uh, they take on Orchard Lake St. Mary's, so we'll get a bit of a 7-8 matchup there. I believe that's later tonight, actually. Uh, had I delayed this podcast, we might have been able to let the dust settle a little bit as far as the rankings go. But nonetheless, that'll be a big matchup later tonight. Uh, number six, I got Clarkston down two spots. 3-1-0 uh, on the season. I mentioned that top line. They're filthy. Uh, everyone's talking about Ronnie Wade and Owen Croston. And like I mentioned, Kyle Lynch is, is the real deal too. Don't get caught sleeping on that guy. Um, really high end, probably one of the top juniors I've seen so far. Uh, and so that top line is, is as good as anyone in the state. I just maybe a little bit leery about depth. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I just want to see more of Clarkston uh, and maybe wrongfully dropping them down two spots, but uh, but ultimately, like I said, comparing Clarkston's body of work over the weekend and Heartland's body of work, I ended up leaning towards Heartland, who I have here at number five, up two spots from number seven last week. One, two, and one on the season so far. Two tough losses to arguably two of the top teams in the state who I'm going to get to in a minute. Uh, like I said, would have loved to see them go head to head with Clarkston last weekend and prove which one was the better one on the ice, but uh, I'm left to kind of speculate for now. So, uh, okay, I'll get into number four. I got Byron Center up four spots, 4 0 0 to start the season. Really impressed by what they did in that Stevenson game. It just has stuck with me ever since. Uh, and they got a big win over the weekend, 3-2 to two over East Grand Rapids. I know that EGR squad is tough. I know that's a tough matchup there. So for them to scratch and claw and come away with a win, I think says a lot about that Byron Center squad. Moving like The rest of this list, 5 through 10, feels pretty fluid. But 4-3-2-1 seem very solid to me at the moment. It's going to take a lot, I think, for me to change uh, – the, the top crust here of my top 10. Uh, and Cade Pratt currently leads the dogs with nine points there uh, for, for Byron Center. So uh, he's one I've talked about a bunch. Froisland is another one. I just, I like what they're doing there uh, at Byron Center and have them here at number four. So uh, number three, one of those teams, Heartland dropped one too. I got Houghton who is 3-0-0 on the season. Connor Raffelli is playing some big boy hockey up there. Uh, three goals and seven points. He's making an early case to be that top defenseman in the state and really, uh, really impressing. You know, they may not even may not even really slow down until they see Brother Rice and U of D come to town in mid-January. And even then, the way things sit right now with all three of those teams, Houghton, Rice, and U of D, 
probably got the Gremlins favorite in both of those matchups still. So uh, Houghton pretty comfortably, pretty solid here at number three in my top 10. Number two, unchanged again. I got Brighton 3-1-0 on the season. That one loss to Orchard Lake St. Mary's. Again, not totally upsetting the apple cart here. Uh, would like to just see more data points, more games, more action between not just Brighton and but Orchard Lake as well before I really started drawing any major conclusions. Uh, they looked really sharp over the weekend too. I talked about them a bunch. Cam Duffney dominated. Lane Petit, tournament MVP honors. Uh, they can get it done offensively in a lot of different ways. And uh, I think that'll make them very, very difficult to stop this season. Uh, and then number one, obviously, you got Detroit Catholic Central. That's unchanged. Another shutout of another Michigan high school hockey team. February 16th is the last time an in-state program scored a goal on CC. Uh, they played their biggest rival last Wednesday and dominated them. Downright bullied them at times. Kale Rogowski was the reason for a lot of that jockeying in front of the net, too. So. Uh, I'm hoping next week against Brighton is interesting, but really wouldn't be surprised if CC rolls into the new year either. So, uh, so we will wrap up the top 10 there. Uh, let's look at the week ahead here real quick. The four Ann Arbor schools compete annually in the Dan Jillick Cup, basically a city championship decided between Pioneer, Skyline, Huron, and Gabriel Richard believe Gabriel Richard is the reigning champ as he's as they've been I think the last few seasons uh, and I heard this year they're actually competing off the ice as well the four schools are taking part in a fundraiser supporting the MJR foundation uh, by seeing what program I, I love this I love this given the hockey here uh, they're competing to see which program has the best flow and you know hockey players, myself included, love the lettuce. We love our hockey hair. Uh, and the boys, as a seasoned veteran of the flow, uh, this is, it, it, it's been better, but this is pretty good for the start of the year. Uh, I will say this. Grow it while you got it. I don't think mine's going anywhere anytime soon. I think I'm, I think I'm pretty good, pretty, pretty good with the flow at this point. But I'm just trying to educate the younger generations. You're either going to lose it or it's going to go gray on you. So enjoy the hockey hair while you can. <laughs> uh, I, I asked if I could participate even, given the lettuce. I, I asked if I could participate in this, but uh, they said I had too many grays in here. Uh, and I don't know how I feel about that. It, it's, it's, not, it's not that bad. But uh, regardless, be sure to check out the MJR Foundation uh, was set up in honor of Ann Arbor Skyline alum, Miles Jeffrey Roberts. Uh, they've set out to empower young athletes to, excuse me. They've set out to empower young athletes and promote mental well-being and suicide prevention in honor of Miles, who passed away there in 2017. So uh, I've included a link in the description to their website where you can learn more about the cause and obviously make donations. The fundraiser began on November 14th, and it runs through next week, uh, through the conclusion of the D'Angelic Cup there. So be sure to get involved, support <laughs> support your favorite head of lettuce, even if it's not mine. So uh, the Catholic League playoffs, I did mention this uh, a little bit earlier. I believe those get underway this week, but I got to be honest with you, I don't... 
really have any idea on the structure of this. I was on the Catholic League website, been around the game for a long time, obviously, but I've never fully uh, understood the Catholic League setup there. So if someone wants to educate me, I'm, I'm all ears happy to listen. Um, I think there's been a couple tiers, maybe like a tier one champ and a tier two champ where, you know, CC obviously in that top tier, but then like Liggett and Ann Arbor, Gabriel Richard and another tier. So I apologize. I probably probably shouldn't talk about things I'm not completely educated on or don't have enough knowledge of, but, um, but it's going on this week. Saw a ton of TBD matchups on the calendar on the hub, but the Catholic league site didn't really have much in terms of structure or or brackets or anything like that either. So uh, I know it's a big deal. There's going to be a ton of great matchups. So I at least wanted to acknowledge it. Uh, And if, and like I said, if anyone wants to educate me on this, feel free to, to DM me, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and bring me up to speed on that. Happy to do that. So uh, games of the week. I'll try to run through these as quick as I can here. Uh, U of D, Orchard Lake. Tonight, Viking Ice Arena, 5 p.m. That's one of those Catholic League games I was just talking about. I liked Orchard Lake coming into this season. Really liked U of D coming into this season as well. So this is a tough spot for me. Uh, Orchard Lake with that big victory over Brighton, I think says a lot. Uh, I had high expectations for them coming in, but may even exceed those based on what they've showed they're capable of already. I think this is a great matchup. Uh, I'm a, I've mentioned Will Keen. I'm a, belie- a believer in him. Uh, and how about Brennan Morgan? I mentioned Thaddeus Rainish. Those are the two leading scorers for the Eaglets. Three goals apiece. Uh, November is the month of Morgan there. Brennan Morgan, uh, had five of scored five of his nine goals last season during the, during my favorite month of the year. Uh, and Rainish, as I mentioned, the freshman, uh, leading the, leading the Eaglets there and scoring maybe a bit of a recency biased. Uh, but I also can't let my blind love for U of D get in the way there either. So I'm going to go with the Eaglets tonight in a really tough game, uh, that could really propel. Orchard Lake after two, you know, if you, if you pull off a win there against Brighton and then follow it up with a win over U of D uh, could really propel them throughout the rest of the season. Uh, next up, I got Bay city, Flint powers, 7 PM Bay County civic arena. I believe that's tonight as well. I featured both of these teams in the picks already this season, so I won't dive in too much. Uh, initially I liked Bay city to put a scare, uh, in, into powers early in the season. I'm going to walk that back a little bit. Uh, after what I've seen so far through the first couple games of the season. I think the Wolves can play them tough, especially on home ice. But ultimately, I think Powers just has too much skill there for for Bay City to keep up with. Uh, has like a 5-2 to two type feel to it. So going with Flint Powers there. Uh, Allen Park, Birmingham Unit. <laughs> Unif- Let me try that again. Allen Park and Birmingham Unified, 730. Frank J. Lotta Civic Arena tonight. Uh, Allen Park is undefeated. Birmingham technically is too. They're one and zero. This would be a big win, I think, for BU if they could pull it off. Allen Park is solid in net with Jack Miller. He's played every minute of action for the Jags so far. I think their top lines offset each other in this matchup. Bobby Lee's, Alex Horley, and and Logan Gent on one side for AP, and then BU's Timo McGrath and Nathaniel Bloom. You know, they could be a nice exchanging of blows there, but ultimately I got to give the nod to goaltending here. First one to three goals wins in this, I feel like, and and I like uh, Allen Park to do that. 
Moving into Thursday night, you got Bloomfield Hills taking on Lakes Area, 6 p.m. Detroit Skating Club. Bloomfield Hills in search of its first win, uh, but they've played Lake Orion. They played M1 United Tough in both of those losses. Six goals from six different skaters. I particularly like Nick Elizarov, uh, first year senior. Got a got an opportunity to hear from him at OAA Media Day earlier this month. Uh, high end former AAA kid that I think brings a ton to the table. This could be a fun matchup if if uh, the top goaltender there, Jacob Van Zweden, is in net for Lakes area. Great style matchup here of a talented offense on one side and a stout goaltender on the other. Van Zweden is solid in that, like I mentioned. Could steal a couple games for Lake area down throughout the, the slate of games this season. But I'm actually going to go with Bloomfield Hills here to get their first win of the season at home thanks to that uh, pretty dynamic offense they got. Six goal scorers, six goals from six different goal scorers. I'm going to ride with, uh, with the Blackhawks. Friday. Chippewa Valley United takes on Utica Eisenhower, 6 p.m. Suburban Ice Macomb. All I keep hearing is how good the East Side teams are this season, and you got to look out for them. I feel like that's the narrative a lot of years lately, and, and may not always pan out, but I'm at least intrigued this season. I'm listening. Uh, Chip Valley split a pair of games up north last week. Carson Schreiner, Kevin Dolney, my guy, uh, doing a lot of work offensively there. Plus, they're getting healthy. It sounds like they're getting a couple guys back from injuries that kind of carried over from the offseason. Ike let me down last week uh, and let that one loss in the picks snowball into a couple losses last week. I just don't have the confidence in the Eagles right now. So I'm going to go, you guys say fire up chips? We'll say fire up chips, 5-1. Grand Rapids Catholic Central, East Grand Rapids, they play at 6.30 at Patterson Ice Arena Friday night as well. Great matchup. Great West Side rivalry. These are two of the top teams in Grand Rapids. I've been high on both of these teams all fall. Uh, I need EGR's goaltending to hold up. I need Joe Green uh, to be great in net. You know, he's been great thus far. One, two, five goals against average. Uh, if he can stand strong, if they can get good, good goaltending, out of the back end there, I think the Pioneers have a real good shot in this one. Uh, I've raved about EGR's forwards a bunch. Glenn Green is a is my new guy. Love him. He's fantastic. But not to mention Oliver Owen, James Albers. Those guys actually lead EGR in scoring at the moment, despite all those talented forwards. Uh, so maybe a little unexpected, but uh, they've got options up front, basically, is what I'm saying. So ultimately, I'm going to go with EGR to get that 3-2 to two win on Friday night. I'm going to jump ahead here. Let me see. I'll get into Saturday. I got M1 United versus Novi, 7 p.m. John Lindell Arena. I think these are two very evenly matched teams, kind of mid-major type teams that are are pretty even. Uh, Novi's lost three in a row to some very solid teams. You know, they lost 4-2 to to Northville in that big rivalry game. I feel like Northville and M1 share a lot of similarities, so this game could follow a similar trajectory a similar trajectory that led Novi to actually have a two to one lead in that game. So I like Novi's chances in this M one's top end is pretty high and probably higher than Novi's, but the Wildcats may have a bit more depth. Um, and if they can get a solid performance in that, that can at least slow down the Griffins offensive attack and guys like Charlie price and Griffin Prisbillo. Uh, it could give the Wildcats a chance. 
Uh, so I'll definitely consider it an upset if it happens. And I'm going to go with the Novi Wildcats there to get a bet, uh, get back in the win column on the road Saturday night. Uh, and this is my last one here. Saved the best for last. Uh, personal favorite. I've dubbed it the War of the Woods. Crosstown rivalry at its finest. Forest Hills Northeastern takes on Forest Hills Central, 8 p.m., Patterson Ice Arena. I will be watching. Definitely tuning into this one. Uh, the Bird Dogs, the Husky Hawks. They got a couple names there, but I love it. Uh, Bird Dogs have won the last three meetings in this rivalry, but I think that changes Saturday. Forest Hills Central received, <laughs> received a TED Talk over the weekend on what it takes to compete at the highest level in the state. Uh, I think they took their licks a little bit uh, at the hands of Heartland and Clarkston. They take what they learned in those games, apply it, and get back in the win column Saturday against a hated rival. Gibson Grendel should be the best player on the ice in that game. I need him to let the game come to him a little bit more. Don't press. Don't force the issue. Your opportunities will come. if You just stick to the script. Keep things simple. I thought him, I thought a lot of the Rangers kind of gripped the stick a little too tight last week when things didn't quite go their way. So if they can weather the storm, kind of battle through adversity. If you get a bad call, if a puck doesn't battle through that a little bit, stay stay in the fight, stay in the hunt, I think they can win pretty decisively here, maybe four or five to one. So that will wrap up the picks as my little one cries in the background. That's why I was kind of under the gun trying to get this one done. So uh, again, the picks will be posted on the website shortly. You can check those out at pdspicks.com and make your pick along as well. Uh, and again, if you've made it this far, come on, you got to subscribe by now. What are you waiting for? Uh, like subscribe, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, you know, the drill, uh, connect with me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, and obviously here on YouTube, appreciate your support. And until next time, skate hard, have fun. I'll see you at the rink soon.